Our first uh, scripture reading is from the book of Galatians, very short passage. The words are in your uh, bulletin, It'll also be on the screen. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Words from the Apostle Paul. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back when I was a little boy, we would have something in our town where uh, people could put things that they no longer wanted out on the curb, uh, and it would get picked up and hauled away. Well, I was walking to town with uh, one of my uh, friends, and there was this uh, family, and they were throwing out this huge cardboard box of tennis balls. And some of them looked like they're in really good shape, but that was not important because back then we were really into stickball, and the one thing you needed was tennis balls in order to play stickball. And so we were walking to town, wasn't going to carry a big cardboard box full of tennis balls to town, so I said, we'll pick them up on the way back. On the way back, they were gone. The, the kids in the neighborhood said, yeah, the, the, the big kid, Greg, took the box of tennis balls. You've got to go get them for us, John. And then it was almost like the theme to Rocky. I said, you bet I do. So I knocked on the door, no one answered. And so I said, well, since I was thinking about getting them, they're really kind of mine anyway. So I just opened up the garage door to go get them. Unfortunately, as I was in the garage, the husband who owned the house was coming home. And in a panic, I didn't know what else to do. So I hid in the, this, this family's garage. <laughs> and then tried to wait for the right time to leave. By the way, all the kids who were supporting me, they scattered like the wind. Well, I got caught, and so this couple, they, they fair to say, dad, my dad's here, they weren't our favorites in the neighborhood. They decided to call the police. Guess who answered the call at the desk? That would be dad. Imagine his surprise. Oh, no, 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 that can't be true. <laughs> oh, but it was. Um, I think that was, um, that was probably about 45 years ago. Technically, I think I'm still grounded. <laughs> I I'm glad I can be with you this morning. I don't think uh, Karen and I, Karen's here today, my sister, dad's friend, Karina's here. I don't think Karen and I uh, created too much of a prodigal problem for, for mom and dad, but we did have our moments. But everybody loves the story of the prodigal son because it's this incredible dad who gives his son the, the space to, to go off, uh, live his own life, and make mistakes. And then after making a big mess of his life, this young man comes back home with his tail between his legs. And surprisingly, that dad is there to welcome him home and say, here, son, here's your room, just like you left it. Come on in. Let's have a party. What's interesting is that this view of the prodigal son has actually been used by some people against Christianity. There are critics who say, well, listen, if we 
humans are the son in the story who kind of goes away from God, who represents the father in the story. And we run off and we mess up our lives royally. And then we repent, come back home. And then upon our arrival, it is welcomed and celebrated. Then we, we've just had salvation without the cross, without atonement, without a mediator between a lost son and a loving father. In other words, well, you don't need the Trinity. You don't need Jesus Christ. You don't need the cross. Well, this morning, I'd like to try to debunk this notion and try to find where the cross is in the story of the prodigal son. And so I invite you to join me as I'm going to read one of the more famous parables of Jesus from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. The parable goes all the way to 32. From 25 to 32, it's about the older brother. You've already heard older brother stories from me. I'm not going to regale you with them with Karen here today. So we're just going to go to verse 24, and we're going to talk about the prodigal today. Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quick, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there was a man who had two sons. Our story today begins with peace and family harmony. God is in heaven. All is right with the world as it's the Waltons. It's John Boy and all of the rest of the family on that farm. However, things are not quite as they appear. It, there's some problems within that church directory of that picture-perfect family because the younger son says, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. Now, you need to know that in that culture, the father's will was unchallengeable. So even when it may have seemed unreasonable, the father's word was still the law. It was the law. So for a son to go to his father and say, in essence, Dad, I want what's coming to me, and I want it right now. Would it be almost as if he went right to his father, looked him in the eye, and said, Dad, drop dead. In that culture, there would be no legal consequence for anything that that father would do to his son for saying that to him. 
And so you might imagine the shock of Jesus' hearers when the father said, well, son, if that's what you want. This dad, it says, divided his property between them. He talks to his lawyer. The lawyer draws up some papers. They transfer a portion of the family estate into his son's name. Now, up until this point, everything has been kind of hush-hush and behind the scenes. But next it says, the young son gathered all he had. Now, you can translate that one of two ways. One of the ways of looking at that is that he packed up all of his belongings in order to move out. And the neighbors are all whispering to each other, what's that U-Haul truck doing in front of the, the family home? Other people are they're kind of peeking beneath the, uh, between the Venetian blinds saying, what in the world's going on over there? Now, the other possibility is that the young son took all of his inheritance and he turned it into cash. He, he sold off the acreage that belonged to him, which means that now that family's dirty laundry is become public knowledge. And the father is shamed before the community. So there is a cross in the story of the prodigal. I'm willing to bet for those of you in this room, for those who are watching that, that you've had things happen in your families that were probably pretty hard to accept. And despite your best efforts to keep it under wraps, words sort of leaked out. And then came the shame and the embarrassment with a whole other cross that you had to bear in those circumstances. Now, hardest of all is what follows because it says the younger son left. Legally, that father could have blocked the sale of the property. And I think what Jesus is saying is that God respects our freedoms to fail. Have you ever been in a debate with someone about Christianity and they'll say, well, if God is so loving and if God is so benevolent, then why does God send people to hell? And the way you answer that is to say, no, 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 no. God does not send people to hell. God fights us every step of the way. But if that's what we really want, then God will step aside and say, fine, have it your way. And then God watches with tears in his eyes and an ache in his heart as we walk over the hill away, away from our father. I think the second thing we need to understand in kind of making sense of the story of the prodigal son, the first being, of course, the authority of the father. The second, the second is the belovedness of the son. I think sometimes we take this for granted. I think sometimes we minimize this. But do you understand how precious you are in God's eyes? And what I mean by that is that you are not just some accident of an evolutionary process. You're not some emoji on God's cosmic computer screen. You're not just a bug on God's cosmic windshield. You are beloved of God. And that's what the Apostle Paul means when he says to the people in Galatians, so you are no longer a slave but a child, and if a child, then also an heir of God. We are beloved and we are precious in our Father's eyes. Well, that young man goes off to that far country, and you know what he does. Today, we would say that he was living la vida loca because without his father's rules, but with his father's money, he has the time of his life and he squanders his money, it says, in dissolute living. 
One translation says in wild living, it was almost like it was one long, continuous college spring break in Daytona Beach, Florida. And unfortunately, before too long, the money is all gone. And friends, that is the scandal here in the parable of the prodigal son. Because in Jesus' day, to allow the family adherents to slip through your fingers and wind up in the hands of hated Gentiles, that was an act so despicable that they actually had a special ceremony in which you would be thrown out of the family, disowned, and banished forever. So that is what is hanging over this young man's head after squandering the family estate. It's really no surprise that what he does next, because it's probably something that we would do, and that's try to get the money back. Now, I want you to catch the irony here in this story. In leaving his father's house to find freedom, the young man winds up in slavery in a prison of his own making. It's sort of like the young man who says, listen, I'm tired of all the rules in this family. I'm out of here. I'm going to join the Marines. And so it seems that life basically gives us a choice of two masters. We can either be a slave of one or we can be a child of the other. The young man realizes that in order to get the money back and stay within the family, he's going to have to do something. But the task has now become a bit harder because there's a famine in the land and he is hungry. He needs a job. And so he tries his hand at pig herding, which means he has all he can eat, but unfortunately doesn't include a paycheck. And then it says he came to his senses. Now, I don't believe for one moment that that young man repented right there in that moment in that pigsty. Because if you think about it, if he repented right there in the pigsty, then it sort of drains the tension out of the story that Jesus was telling. More importantly, if he repents while in the pigsty, gets up, goes to his father, what that means for you and me is that we can come to our senses apart from God, that, that we can make significant progress for our own salvation, that, that salvation becomes a big part of what we do. That is not what we believe as Presbyterians. And the Apostle Paul didn't believe it either. And so he needed to set those Galatian people straight. So to the question, he came to himself. What does that mean? What do you think that means? I think in his mind, that young man said, I have a good idea. I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to ask him to hire me as one of his employees. I'll just ask for an entry-level position. I'll get some job training. I'll work my way up the ladder. I'll scrimp. I'll save. I'll get that nest egg back. I'll get back in the good graces of my family, and I'll become daddy's fair-haired little boy again. This is a man with a plan. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, John. If that's true, then why does he start rehearsing this little speech of his to lay it on his father? Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. If you think you've heard those words before, you have. Because what's interesting to me is those words are also found in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 10, verse 16, that speech comes from the lips of Pharaoh, who is giving a fake repentance in order to get Moses to stop those devastating plagues that have been afflicted upon the Egyptian people. So Jesus brilliantly in his story puts this fake repentance of Pharaoh on the lips of the prodigal, almost as if 
to say, hey, this kid is just trying to weasel his way back into the family. And we read that and we're shocked. Oh, of all the nerve, of all the gall. Because the prodigal hasn't got a clue as, as to how much he has hurt his father. He has no idea of the grace his father has had to endure. The gray hair, the sleepless nights, the years off his life. The young man is not coming home because he misses his dad. He's coming home because he's hungry. And he's out of money. Does it change the father's love? How does God really feel about people who tell him to take a hike, go off, wreck their lives, and only then come crawling back on all fours to him? Jesus gives us the answer. And I love the way he describes the scene. But while he was still far off, his father saw him. Dad sees this dot on the horizon. He, he knows it's alive because it's moving. And as that dot gets bigger, it gets closer. And as it gets closer, it gets bigger. And he sees that it's his son. And Jesus really shocks his hearers here in this story because the father sort of acts like a mother. You know, the, the role of the father back in Jesus' day would be to wait alone in a back room for that young whippersnapper to come home and then, and then listen to his son explain his conduct and his actions. You know, a mother might get emotional and weep. Bible scholar Ken Bailey was telling this, this story of the prodigal son to a bunch of, a bunch of uh, Middle Eastern sheep herders. And he came to this part of the story when the father sees the son and he picks up his robe and he sprints through the village to, to meet his son. And these sheep herders who were listening to the story said, no way, it, it, it could not happen. That, that man, if he were to do that, he would lose his dignity. Because to, to pull up your robe would be to flash and expose your thighs. Oh, that would open you up to scorn and ridicule. You'd be the laughing stock of the village. Those sheepers said it, it could not happen. Friends, I'm here to tell you that it did happen. Because on the cross, God sacrificed his dignity as he stretched out his arms and ran to us like a father running to his son and wrapping us in a messy, tear-stained embrace. Well, so confused and disoriented the son that he forgets half his speech. All he, gets is, all he gets out is, Father, I have sinned. He never gets out. Treat me like one of your hired hands because he has been and always will be a precious son, an heir of God. The Christian author Philip Yancey said, it's another shocking reminder that grace does not depend upon what we have done for God, but rather what God has done for us. There's a cross in the story of the prodigal. It's in the beginning when the father gives over the property. It's in the middle when the young man is all alone in the far country by himself and hungry. And it's at the end, in the outstretched arms of a father welcoming his son home with hugs and parties and celebration and feasting. This is how God loves you and me. And on this Father's Day, this is how our Heavenly Father loves us. God always has and always will. One of my favorite TV shows from several years ago was the show The Wonder Years. And in this scene we're going to see, the episode is titled Daddy's Little Girl. Karen is a rebellious 18-year-old teenager who's tired of her family 
and doesn't want to celebrate her birthday at home with them, but wants to be out with her friends. And you're going to see what happens. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Karen. Happy birthday to you. There it was. 18 years of hopes and memories poured into 80 ounces of egg whites and sugar and wax. It was enough to melt anybody's heart. Except maybe my sister's. There's my ride. Gotta go. And I guess that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Not so fast, you're staying here. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I'm leaving, Daddy. And even though I'd been hearing those words for weeks, suddenly I was hearing something new. Or maybe it was as old as children and parents and families. You're not going until you open this. <clears throat> what is it? Open it. my kit bag from the court. Uh, I was going to get you a, you know, new one. I thought you'd like this better. It's uh, for college. Murphy goes someplace. Either way, you gotta have something to put your clothes in. And uh, this one got me through a lot of rough times. I love it. These two. the morning sky Hey All the birds are leaving You make a wish Yeah 
That night of my sister's 18th birthday, a lot of things happened. Maybe more than she knew. Because that night, when my father let Karen go out, he let Karen go. I do not count the time. Maybe that's how it had to be. Children leave, and parents stay behind. Still, some things are deeper than time and distance, and your father will always be your father. And he will always leave a light on for you. Kind of gets you, huh? Friends, Jesus Christ came to make us his children. And through his cross, as prodigal sons and daughters, we are an heir of our father. And we can always come home. And he won't just leave a light on for us, because he is the light of the world. May our hearts be illumined and warmed through our father's life, light, and love. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Gracious God, some of us are um, prodigals, and we probably have had a hard time finding our way back home because we've been distracted by the sins of temptation and distraction. And so we pray that you help us discover that the far country is not necessarily a measure of distance as much as it is an attitude of the heart. Thank you for caring enough for us to run to us, to shower us with your fatherly love, and then to welcome us back when we finally turn around and come home to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen.